of episode 42 of the Chewy On Your Boot podcast and we've got another amazing episode today as former AFL footballer Jack Trengove joined the show. Jack was drafted by Melbourne with pick number two in the 2009 National Draft and played 89 games across a 10-year career with Melbourne and Port Adelaide. He's got an incredible story which you'll hear all about in this episode as he touches on being made captain at the age of 20 as well as going through a number of injury setbacks. And we'll get into this episode very soon, but just before we do, you would have seen on our socials that we've partnered with clothing brand Kremlin as the first sponsor of the show, so we're very excited to announce this, and from this partnership, you as listeners have access to special deals, including a 10% discount on all stock if you use the code BENM10, all in caps, so if that interests you, Hit the link that'll be in the show notes and treat yourself to some nice new clothes. Anyway, that's that. And without further ado, let's get into the show. Jack, welcome to the Chewy On Your Boot podcast. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having me, guys. No, it's a pleasure. Um, Just before we get into it, we'll touch on this a bit more in detail later, but you're a couple of games into your footy season. Must be nice to be back out there. Absolutely, yeah. I guess... um... I'm playing for the Prince Alfred College Old uh, Scholars team in the amateurs in Adelaide. And um, we sort of got through, as you boys know, the whole pre-season and you're getting geared up for games and then coronavirus strikes. And I just assumed initially that, um, you know, we wouldn't get any games in for the season. So to be back up and going in July, it's, um, yeah, it's awesome. And we're two games in, as you said, and Two from two, so um, going pretty well. And it's just great to be back out there running around with your mates. It's a good start. Take us back to the beginning of your football career, playing for Kybe Bolite. Is that how you say that? Kybe Bolite, yeah, close uh, enough. Yep. In the KNTFL, how important was the club in defining your love for, and passion for footy? Yeah, it was huge. I guess, um, as you boys know, growing up in the country, Getting involved in country sport, um, you know, is awesome. And from a young age, so I started playing at the junior cults there in the under-14s, I think when I was about 10. So both older sisters were playing netball. Mum and dad were involved with the footy and netball club there as well. So every weekend involved me going there on a Saturday from sort of nine through to dinner. Um, And then when I finally got to the age where I could start playing, um, I jumped at it and yeah, it was huge. Like, I grew up loving footy, um, but I guess I found the true passion when I started playing competitive footy where you're sort of playing for premiership points as well. And I was lucky enough to win a few grand finals early on, so that sort of probably spurred the motivation even more. But loved every second of my time at um, at Kybe and, you know, have played with some great friends there and some of the, the most enjoyable footy I ever played. And did you play any other sports growing up? I did, yeah. Once again, growing up in the country, you're sort of encouraged to to play as many sports as possible just to fill teams, if anything. Um, so I, I grew up playing sort of footy, cricket. They were probably the two main ones, but loved basketball as well. Um, also a bit of tennis. And then we did a lot of cross-country and athletics um, growing up as well. So uh, the book was pretty full, but... Um, I just loved getting outside and being active. So, um, you know, having that good balance of different sports probably helps you as well. And I'm sure it did in my footy career. 
And was there anyone in particular that played a big influential role in your junior career at your home club or as you were rising up through the ranks in representative football? Um, yeah, I guess my family obviously played a huge role. Mum and dad were very supportive and literally just always said, just, you know, go for everything and, um, you know, try to realise your dreams pretty much. And knowing, you guys knowing country, um, you have to travel a fair bit to sort of represent or make different representative sides. So mum and dad were always willing to sort of jump in the car and take me to various training sessions and up to Adelaide when we needed to sort of get up there for, for different carnivals and whatnot. So they had the easily the largest influence on my career. But in terms of other people, there were a couple of key sort of coaches growing up. Um, I still remember my first under-14s uh, footy coach, Phil Bradley. Um, and being a 10-year-old, it was sort of... I was pretty young and it's a fair age gap between 10 and 14. So there was some what I thought were big boys running around in the junior cults. Um, so sort of jumping up to that level, uh, Phil, the coach at the time, really encouraged me and gave me that confidence. And I've had some sort of key coaches along the way as well that have, um, I guess, just instilled that confidence with, within me to be able to compete at the sort of highest level and, um, I guess, create different training, good training habits. Um, <laughs> Which made me get to where I got to, I guess. And in your high school years, you made the move to Adelaide to attend Prince Alfred College. Was this for your schooling or did footy play a big role in this? Well, so my dad went to PAC, all my uncles and cousins. So it was a bit of a family tradition um, to go to PAC. So I think I was down on the the waiting list when I was um, born pretty much. But um, it certainly opened up a lot of opportunities and... Loved every second of my time at PAC and have created some lifelong friends from it. And it's just great. Like I was, no doubt, loved footy, loved my cricket, going to PAC. But at the same time, I wanted to make sure I got as far as I could from a studies point of view. And I was really, always really keen on the studies and um, worked really hard throughout that to get a, as, as high a score possible um, in the, what is it, ATAR now or um, whatever it is. Uh, so it was sort of a bit of both, like no doubt, great opportunity from a sporting point of view, but also schooling point of view. I learned a hell of a lot and um, yeah, probably progressed further than what I thought I would. In 2009, you played for South Australia in the national champs and were named captain of that side. Was that your first taste of an elite standard of football like this or...? Probably. Um, I, was, I was lucky enough to make the state under-12s and the state under-16s as well, but it's not until the under-18s when it really gets serious. Um, so I was, yeah, trained in their sort of um, little under-18 training squad throughout the pre-season and, um, you know, came around to the carnival time and I was in reasonably good form and was lucky enough to get selected in the team. And then from there we sort of... Um, you know, played throughout the championships and we only lost to WA, I think. So we finished second and I had a, a, a reasonable championships as well, which, um, you know, was was very fortunate. We had a great team and a, a great um, supporting coaches around us as well. Um, but yeah, it was probably the first real competitive stuff where I thought, wow, maybe I am actually a chance here to get drafted and realise my dream. Um, 
And I guess that's probably the idea of the whole under-18s championships is you're, you're able to compare yourself against some of the other best 18-year-olds running around in the country. And um, that's probably where I sort of realised that maybe I am a chance to sort of take this a bit more seriously and, and hopefully make the AFL. And from that, you end a spot in the All-Australian team. After a strong performance at the championships, as well as winning SA's MVP award, how nice was it to be recognised individually? Yeah, I guess it was, um, yeah, it was a, a proud moment, so to speak. But I, get, I, I went into the carnival just wanting to try to win the whole thing for South Australia. I guess we get pretty um, competitive with the whole Vix v SA versus WA and um, you know, we really wanted to try to take it the whole way and we beat both Vic teams but couldn't quite get over WA. And, yeah, I guess on the back of that, I sort of, as you said, managed to play some, some decent footy throughout it. So to get named in the Australian team um, was almost a dream come true. It's one of those, those things that you probably don't go in thinking you're going to get near it. Um, but as the games went by, I was sort of holding the form and was lucky enough to slip in. And you played the <clears throat> second half of your draft year with Sturt Senior Sandville side. What was it like playing against those bigger bodies as an 18-year-old? And was it something that you you came up to the challenge or was it daunting for you? It was a great learning curve. Um, I was lucky enough to, to play or do the whole pre-season with Sturt. So I'd been training with sort of senior and more mature bodies for a while and yeah, on the back of playing in the state under-18s carnival, came back and uh, Luke Norman, who was the coach of Sturt at the time, was really keen to give me an opportunity at league level. So I made my debut and um, slipped into a half-forward flanker on the wing and, um, yeah, did enough to sort of hold my spot. And there's no doubt that that was, you know, huge for me in my learning and growth to be able to play against sort of senior um, mature bodies as opposed to an under 18 level it's another step up and I guess that helped me um, I guess transition into the AFL system a lot easier as well because I'd already been exposed to that sort of um, I guess physicality. And you were named best on ground in the prelim final of that year I imagine you would have taken a lot of confidence out of that especially being so class, close to the draw. Definitely. Um, yeah, it was a it was a whirlwind of a year, really. Um, at the start of it, if I'd even thought about I was going to get drafted by the end of the year, I was thought I would have been kidding myself. And then sort of to progress through the season and then finish with you know playing some pretty decent footy at um, for Sturt and you know playing out in the grand final. And unfortunately, we couldn't go uh, the final step and take home the premiership. But to get that exposure and finals footy experience at a very young age, it, it certainly gave me a lot of confidence and it made me sort of think and believe that um, I could actually play at the next level. Um, AFL was always going to be another huge step up, but it certainly, you know, going through those stepping stones just gradually gave me that confidence and inner belief that I um, had what it takes anyway. With those outstanding performances and achievements throughout the year there was obviously plenty of talk around you being one of the top picks how do you handle that and did you find there was any extra pressure it was difficult no doubt um you know year 12 is a big year 
taking footy out of it. You know, you're wanting to sort of um, do really well with your studies and you've got a lot of other things that you're trying to juggle at the same time. Like, you know, I've had some great mates and I wanted to make sure of all the social parts of year 12 as well. You're going to 18th birthday parties, you're going to sort of different after parties, formals. Um, I played cricket in the first term and, um, you know, we won our, our big cricket games in the finals with that as well. So, um, you know, you're trying to juggle all these different things and then there's that added pressure of potentially being a, um, a high draft pick as well. So you're, you're doing interviews with AFL clubs and sitting down with talent and recruiting managers um, you've got different player managers trying to ring you and sign you. So there's a lot of other things that you have to battle, but um, I guess it just makes, makes certain that you have to be really organised throughout the year, which I was, um, you know, reasonably good at. So I kept on top of my studies and sort of didn't get too over, overawed by the whole um, draft process. And, um, yeah, it was certainly a juggling act. and. Um, you know, I, I still to this day put year 12 down as my favourite year that I've had in my life because there was just all these great things going on. And, um, yeah, it was it was so enjoyable. Come draft night, Melbourne picked you up with their pick two overall. Um, describe your feelings and emotions when you heard your name read out. And did Melbourne give you any indication? It was a really unique situation, actually. Um, so Melbourne had the both pick one and two that year. Um, so the recruiters who I'd met a number of times, Dean Bailey was the coach at the time. He'd flown over to Adelaide uh, to meet myself and my family. Um, and they told me about a month out from the draft that they were going to take me to pick two. So it gave me a good opportunity to sort of, I guess, let things settle in and be able to prepare to know that I was moving from Adelaide to Melbourne, away from my family and away from a lot of my friends. And, well, I couldn't tell anybody that that was going to happen. You still don't believe it until your name's actually read out. Um, it was a unique situation that I sort of knew that I was going to get drafted at pick two. So I went into the night not as nervous as I probably would have been had I not been told that. But at the same time, as I said, you don't want to sort of get ahead of yourself and just assume that things are going to happen because weird things do happen. But, you know, it was, yeah, it was amazing. I had my name called out at pick two and... I was over the moon and just so excited. And once again, a bit of a whirlwind. I think that was a Thursday night. So I was over there with my two sisters, my mum and dad. Um, got taken over to the MCG afterwards. There was a big Melbourne football club function where we were sort of um, announced and then flew home the next day and then had to be back on a plane on Sunday, pretty much moving my life to Melbourne. So... Um, it happened really quickly, but uh, yeah, draft night will always go down in the books as, as one of my favourites and um, yeah, I guess just a, a very proud and exciting moment. And you made your debut in round one of 2010, proving your impact throughout the pre-season. What are your memories of that day? Um, once again, absolute whirlwind. Uh, we're playing Hawthorne round one. Um, I was extremely nervous, as you could probably imagine. Uh, I think there was about 60,000 people in the MCG. So running out in front of that sort of crowd was something that I'd never experienced in my life. Um, it was buzzing. And unfortunately, it was when Hawthorne were pretty handy. Um, 
So what was that? 2010, they were um, playing some pretty good footy and had some extremely good players in the team. So we got touched up by, I don't know what it was in the end, probably 40 or 50 points. So from that point of view, it wasn't the greatest experience. But at the same time, I just remember like the first time I touched the footy as well. Um, like I'm sure people tell you all the time that the speed at that next level just goes to another gear. And um, I remember a ball came flying out to me on a wing and took it and then just got smashed from behind, hit the deck sort of hopped back up and got a little tap on the ass, and it was Luke Hodge saying, keep going, young fella. And I was just like, wow, is this actually happening? Like, I'm playing against some of my childhood heroes. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll remember it for all the right reasons from that regard. It was just frustrating that we um, got touched up like we did. In 2011, you played an international rules series against Ireland. How unique was this experience and did you notice any big differences between those games and an AFL game? Yeah, I, was, I loved every second of it once again. Um, probably didn't expect to be picked in the team and got the opportunity to sort of pull on the Australian Guernsey, which, as you know, in, in AFL terms, you don't get to do that too often. So um, it was, it's a unique game, that's for sure, and the Irish are extremely good. Trying to play with a round ball and kick it like a footy is, um, you know, uh, challenging in itself. And um, but a lot of fun. Like, and it, it's great to be able to play with players from all different clubs as well. Um, I guess you come up against them competing as opponents, and then to have them on your on your side and get to play with some of the better players in the comps also an amazing experience. So um, yeah, what something that I never thought that I'd get the opportunity to do, and um, it was it was great. You became Melbourne's co-captain along with Jack Grimes at the beginning of the 2012 season, becoming the youngest club captain in AFL VFL history. What were your feelings towards this, and was it more excitement or was it a bit of apprehension given your young age still? All of the above, to be honest. Um, so when when about our pre-season, um, unfortunately, Dean Bailey, our coach, got sacked the prior year. So then that's when Mark Neal came in and um, we're obviously pretty determined to sort of get some success and start um, on the right journey with uh, Neal as the new coach. And um, it, as every year comes around, it comes to voting for leadership time and... Um, yeah, the club was taking a different direction and um, my teammates voted me in to be captain. And at the time, I was sort of a bit taken aback, to be honest. At the age of 20, going into my third season, I was still pretty young and inexperienced. And then to be suddenly leading the oldest footy club in the world. Um, it was such a proud history and you're sort of um, suddenly the captain of some of your your heroes. So guys like, you know, Brad Green and... Brent Maloney, Jared Rivers, all those older, senior and more experienced guys in the team, suddenly I'm their captain, which was sort of a unique experience in itself. Um, I think hindsight, you know, looking back at it, you think you're too young to do it. I probably was, but at the same time, I learned so much in that time. And I guess from my point of view, it was my teammates that were telling me that I needed to step up and take that role. So I was never going to say no to it because... I love a challenge and I was getting told by my coaches and teammates that I was the best man for the job. So um, jumped at it and learned a hell of a lot. Um, 
sure I'd do some things differently if I had my chance again. But at the same time, you know, I think I'm a much better person now having gone through that experience and I guess gone through some of those roller coasters of emotions. You obviously made a pretty big impact in those first two years. Was leading something you always aspired to do, even for your junior career? Um, it, it's a funny one. I think, you know, naturally when you're younger um, in any sporting team, if you're one of the better players, you just suddenly put in as captain for whatever reason that is. Um, so in my junior days, I was sort of captain or vice captain of a few teams, not necessarily because I was a good leader. It's just because I was sort of one of the better players. And then as I slowly got older, um, I'm generally a pretty sort of, loud and encouraging sort of person um, around sort of team environments and I guess from that point of view my communication levels are, are pretty handy and I was always motivated and trying to drive out my teammates and take us to the next level so you know captaincy and leadership's never a thing that I've aspired to achieve but at the same time if it means that I can help influence good outcomes for a for my team, then I'm more than willing to take on the challenge. And I think that's pretty much where it fell at Melbourne. I was, you know, throughout that pre-season, so determined to get success and trying to will all my teammates and make us improve and put ourselves in a better position. And as a result, people acknowledged that I was um, leading the way when I was doing that and people wanted to follow me to try to achieve it as well. So, um, yeah, leadership's a funny one. It's not something that I necessarily aspired to do early days but I sort of fell into the um fell into the position more so because of my actions I guess at the end of the 2013 season you stepped down from the captaincy how tough a decision was this for you and what were the main reasons behind it it was very hard as I said there were um you know a number of things that happened throughout those couple of years as captain and Paul Rose came on board and I was battling a, a foot injury myself. So um, he sort of came to me and said, maybe it's a, a good opportunity here for you to sort of just sort of take a, a backward step and um, concentrate and focus on your own rehabilitation of your foot and focus on your own individual game as opposed to worrying about what everyone else is doing because I think that was probably one of my biggest criticisms as captain. I neglected my own sort of form in my own individual game because I was so worried about what everyone else was doing and the team as a whole. And you can look that look at that as though it's a, um, a great attribute, but at the same time, I think a really important thing in leadership is making sure that you're sort of um, holding up your end of the bargain and performing so that everyone else will follow you. No doubt you need to help and nurture others at different stages, but your number one focus is still to go out there and perform yourself. Um, and that was something that I really struggled with throughout my captaincy. So when Rusey sort of said, maybe it's a good chance to sort of step back and um, concentrate and focus on yourself a bit more, I, I sort of probably agreed with him. And um, that was the decision we made. And um, yeah, I think it was the right decision at the time. And you mentioned Paul Ruse, obviously, pretty successful with Sydney. What was it like having, I suppose, such a big name coach in the industry come to, come to Melbourne and how influential was he for you? He was huge. Um, I think going through what we had gone through the previous couple of years where 
we weren't having too much success, getting beaten by huge margins, and there was no real clear direction of where we were trying to get to. Having a, a figure like Rosie come in and you just sort of automatically walk a bit taller and you walk around with a bit more confidence and know that you got sort of a strong leader at the top leading the way and he was really firm with how he wanted the club to turn around and he had a big focus on turning the whole culture. We had a very much a losing culture, um, people that doubted themselves. So he brought a lot of confidence in with that and it was never going to be a quick fix, but you could tell from the outset that he was bringing good people in around him and setting Melbourne up to succeed in the future, which um, I think he's certainly proven that. And yeah, he's just a great man as well and um, very encouraging. He's, he's tough. Um, you know, he knows what he wants in terms of um, performance and success and what that, you know, really looks like. But at the same time, he really challenges you to improve and get better. And um, I couldn't have more respect for Rusey. And as you've alluded to, you had a pretty debilitating foot injury, which caused you to miss a fair bit of footy between 2014 and 17. How did you manage what I'd imagine was a fairly tough period? And who were the people that helped you through this time? Yeah, it was really hard. Um, I guess I was fortunate enough throughout my junior career never to really have an injury in my life. Like I think I might have, I don't know, missed, you know, back in the days you'd play two games every week and I might have had to miss the Sunday game once because I had a bit of a sore hamstring. But that was literally the extent of my injuries growing up. So, you know, to to have an injury that sort of holds you out of the game for a couple of years and then, um, you know, I still deal with it every day to this day. Um, was certainly a very strange and um, different experience that I'd ever experienced before. But um, it was tough, like, uh, you know, to go under the knife for the first time and have surgery um, and then to have complications with that surgery and cracks coming through different screws that I had put in and had to have them removed. Um, it was literally a, a good sort of four-year injury there until I was back feeling somewhat normal again. And I guess that to add, to make things worse, it's your foot. So, you know, as we all know, footy, um, you require your feet quite a lot to uh, cover the ground, run around, kick with and all that. So um, to have one of them pretty much taken away from me for a couple of years there made life a bit more difficult. And I think the hardest part was probably when games are on and all your teammates are out there competing and you're stuck sort of riding a bike or in a swimming pool, unable to really move properly and you can't be there to sort of try to help your teammates sort of reach the goals that we all had as a collective group. Um, so there were plenty of little mental battles throughout all of that. But at the same time, it did help me in other aspects of life. So I think footballers and athletes in general can get so um, focused and almost too focused on that particular sport at hand at that particular moment and lose sight of everything else that's happening in your life. And um, the thing that I realised throughout that time is that there is more to life than just sport. And not only that, you have to prepare for what your career is going to look like once you're retired. Everyone loves to be Boomer Harvey or Dustin Fletcher and play to your 40. But, um, you know, the reality is, is that I think the average career length of an AFL footballer was like three or four years. So, you know, you think if you get drafted at 18, 
the average time you'll come out is sort of 21, 22. There's a whole nother life and career that you have to look out for. So throughout that time of being injured, it gave me more opportunity to sort of put my head down in the books and study more and tick off some more units at university. And it progressed my career there a lot quicker than what it would have if I had been fully healthy that whole time. So a bit of perspective and um, it gave me a better outlook on life in general. So when I did finally return and start playing footy again, I was much more well-rounded and had that uh, better balance and um, probably enjoyed footy a lot more after that as well because I wasn't getting so stressed about the little things and the ups and downs that come with different form and wins and losses and whatnot. So um, no doubt a challenging time, but I'm actually, it's going to sound completely stupid, but very grateful having gone through it because it made me a better person as a result. Uh, it's definitely a good quality to see the positives out of certain situations. And I'd imagine a few more would have been your comeback games in 2016 and 17. Were these highlights of your career after coming through that adversity? Definitely. Um, I think, if anything, it just makes you appreciate being healthy again. So you don't really appreciate something until it's taken away from you. So the fact that I wasn't allowed to play footy for two years hurt me so much. So... I finally got that chance to run out on the G again. Like I said, that first time I got to do it in front of 60,000 people against Hawthorne. Then, so I just wanted that experience back so badly. So I got a chance to run out there again and um, we beat Collingwood um, on one of the occasions and it was just like finally all the hard work and the hard times you went through, it was all worthwhile to get out there and compete with your best mates again and win a game of footy and you know, um, sing the club song and um, really celebrate that. It was uh, certainly a highlight for me. Following the 2017 season, you signed with Port Adelaide. When during the year did that come about and had it been in the works for a while or did it all happen pretty quickly? It all happened pretty quickly, to be honest. Um, so I was playing a lot of footy at Casey uh, for the VFL team that year and we um, had some reasonable success over a couple of years playing in the VFL, but I sort of got back and played a game at AFL level. And then Simon Goodwin was the coach at the time and we had some great honest conversations. And um, it was just one of those things where my time at Melbourne was going to come up and I sort of came to the reality of that, um, you know, leading into the back end of the season. And I was ready for something different. I'd been there for eight years and, Felt like I was just banging my head against the brick wall there for a bit, especially the last year or so. And, you know, playing some pretty consistent good footy at VFL level, but wasn't getting an opportunity at the next level. So, um, you know, we ended on great terms. And, um, you know, then the Port Adelaide opportunity came up. And, you know, I thought it's exactly what I needed, a fresh, fresh start. And back in South Australia, where a lot of my family and friends are, is going to be a relatively easy transition back so um, I was grateful for Port for giving me that opportunity. And how excited were you heading into the pre-season with new club, new people and did you have any nerves heading into that first pre-season? Yeah it's like your first day of school over again you sort of go in there and you know of a lot of people and I'd met a few different people and knew a few but you're sort of walking into a foreign, um, foreign territory and 
having to make new friends. Um, you know, the lucky thing is, is that we've all got a common goal and we all have a common interest in footy. Um, and you get straight into it from day one into training. So, um, no, it's a very welcoming and very family-orientated club. So very fortunate from that point of view and a great bunch of blokes. Um, you know, they're a very close group. And um, so I was no doubt nervous, but as soon as you get out there and throw a few footies around and get running, it's um, pretty easy to, to fit in. And you won Port Adelaide Sanford B&F last year. How pleasing was it to be successful in both an individual manner and a team manner? Yeah, um, I guess once, as I alluded to a bit earlier, um, I never sort of go out trying to um, get those individual accolades, so to speak. And um, unfortunately, we lost the grand final against Glenelg, which was, um, was shattering. But at the same time, to get something out of the season and be recognised as the, the best and fairest for, um, you know, such a, a club with such a rich history and so much success over the days. And my name will always be up at sort of Port Adelaide Maggie's as the best and fairest winner for 2019. So from that aspect, a very proud season for myself. Um, but it would have been nice to go one better and win the premiership. Um, but yeah, I guess a good way to cap off what was... Um, you know, a pretty good season from myself. Your time at Port Adelaide coincided with the likes of Connor Rosie, Xavier Dersma, Zach Butters being drafted. Can you take, it, take us into what it's like having these type of guys around the group? They're obviously pretty exciting. Did you notice any changes because of the energy and that sort of thing that they bring? It's awesome having young guys like that come in. I guess I think back to when I was their age and... I guess from my point of view, totally different situation. You know, I was 18 at Melbourne going in, you know, eyes wide open and just taking on every little thing. So I guess from that experience, I wanted to make sure their experience at that same moment was even better than mine. So, you know, I, I tried to sort of be there as a positive influence and role model for them, tried to sort of fast track a lot of their... Um, the little things and issues that they were going to have to overcome in the early days. And yeah, those three in particular just brought so much energy, excitement, they're amazing players and they got so much talent. So to sort of come in and into the system like they did sort of last year and play the footy that they did is, um, you know, an incredible effort from themselves. But, you know, all three of them are going to be great long-term players for Port Adelaide. And um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, proud, proud to know that I was sort of a part of it in some ways and sort of hopefully helped them in their ways as well. And being an experienced player, were there any young players that you found yourself working closely with and taking under your wing in a way? Yeah, I guess um, probably, you know, I played a lot of the midfield. So all of the young midfielders at Port, um, probably more so the ones that were playing in the, the SANFL at the time. So, you know, the last couple of years sort of like Willem Drew, um, Joe Attlee, probably in particular, those two were sort of two of the younger guys coming through and playing a lot of midfield time. So sort of I was able to sort of become a bit of a mentor for them. And, um, you know, it was great to play alongside them in the SNFL and sort of see them progress. But other guys like Sam Pepper and then, you know, the three younger fellas that you mentioned in, Rosie, 
Durs and um, and Butsy, uh, you know, to see those guys come in and develop like they have, and to feel like you might have had a bit of influence on them as well is, um, you know, all a part of it. And that's the whole sort of the beautiful thing about team environments is you're able to help out the younger guys while also trying to compete against them to make everyone better. And as we mentioned earlier, you're back playing footy now. Can you take us through your role in that side? Yeah, so um, certainly a bit of a different outlook now, playing amateur footy in Adelaide, as I mentioned earlier. Um, So my best mate, one of my best mates, is actually the coach of the team um, and have a lot of old sort of schoolmates sort of um, in my year, but then years above and years below playing in the side as well. So he was pretty keen to get me out there and help him coach. So I'm an assistant coach, but um, also playing. So um, loving it. And away from footy, what else are you up to at the moment? What does the future hold for you? Yeah. So as I mentioned, I was sort of pretty keen on the studies back in year 12. So um, I got drafted and then was studying part-time just a commerce degree um, over at Monash University and took me a while to slowly tick it off because you could only do one or two subjects a semester. Um, but the years that I said when I was injured, I was able to nail a few more and um, I completed that after seven years. So um, the last couple of years of my career, I was actually working, um, you get a day off during the week to sort of go and pursue other interests outside of footy so I was using that day to go and work one day a week with a place called Lanyon Asset Management they're a fund management firm um, manage a little over 350 million dollars and sort of um, at the end of the day buy and sell stocks on the on the stock exchange so um, I was doing that for the last two years and then with the idea that when footy finishes I'll be moving into a full-time role which I did back in November. So I've been going for, you know, a little over seven or eight months now and um, very different. Sort of wearing a suit and sitting at a desk as opposed to pulling your footy boots on every day is uh, a fair change up. But no, I'm really enjoying it. Um, It's certainly uh, sort of opened up a whole new lease of life and meeting new people and getting to know how different businesses work and different companies and... um, adding some different skills um, to what I've already got. So, yeah, really enjoying it. And um, I can see myself staying within this sort of industry um, for a very long time. We've just got a few questions here on a bit of a lighter note. Um, I saw on your Instagram recently that you've completed your first half marathon. Should we be reading into that at all? And might you follow in Jess's footsteps and... Tokyo 2021 is that on the cards <laughs> I think that might be a bit too close um but yeah well, I've always loved running um didn't see myself running a half marathon but the coronavirus does weird things to you it's getting sort of cooped up and not not allowed to go to gyms anymore so I just had to keep running um and yeah I thought I'd just have a crack uh definitely a um a marathon is on on the bucket list to do at some stage and if you ask Jess, she'd want me to do it tomorrow and start trying to take it more seriously. But I just don't know if I can give up footy just yet. Um, I enjoy that too much. But definitely down the track, I'll do a marathon. But I can't imagine that'll be at any elite level, that's for sure. Yeah, I saw you're aiming for 240, is it? 
yeah, sort of 240, 245. That'd be um, pretty nice. Uh, I think I did the half in an hour 20. So just have to turn around and do that again at the same pace, which um, would be more challenging than, uh, than I think. But um, yeah, hopefully one day with a bit more training, I can get there. Are there some rumours circulating that you and a mate, Andrew Bradley, might have enjoyed dressing up in Jess and Abby's clothes when you were younger? <laughs> Can you confirm or deny this? Um, well, I'm not going to lie. I will confirm this. But at the same <laughs> time, there's context to everything. So being the younger brother, the two older sisters, um, some would say it's a bit of a burden at times. And this is one of those situations where they used to really make the most of my mates and myself being quite young, vulnerable and um, easily persuaded and play little dress-ups with us and have us as the little models. So there is some photo evidence somewhere, but I've kept it deep, deep in dark boxes <laughs> at the bottom of the heads. Um, I also understand you like to participate in a bit of synchronised swimming when you're younger as well as being a bit of a singer as part of the pre prestigious Trony Choir. Any comment on these claims? <laughs> oh, this is all from Jess, isn't it? Yeah. Once again, um, very vulnerable younger sibling. Um, got your older sisters coming up with all these grand ideas and plans and you're just sort of forced along to, to participate. So if you ask me to sing now, it would be absolutely horrible experience for you. Um, I'm worse than tone deaf. And synchronised swimming... <laughs> Not all that gracious in the pool either. So uh, maybe when I was a bit younger before my voice broke and a bit more flexible, but um, those careers are definitely well behind me. Now, in all serious, to wrap up, have you had a good chance to reflect on your career in the AFL and can you sum up your overall emotions and feelings from it? It's a great question. Um, I guess it's it's one of those things that, you know, I was in the industry for 10 years and, if I could have, you know, growing up, you know, I still remember I used to go to bed holding my footy and wishing and dreaming of playing in the AFL. And I guess that's the biggest thing that I reflect back on now. And, you know, sure, different things happened. Um, if I had my time again in certain things, I, I probably would take that and, you know, be able to change the, the future in some ways. But at the same time, I wouldn't as well because, you know, I'm, I'm sitting in this situation today having played 10 years of, AFL footy, met some incredible people, had some incredible experiences and I'm, you know, a much better person having gone through what I have, um, whether that be sort of different leadership um, challenges, adversity with injury, you know, some success, you know, in the early days. Um, every single second of it was um, an amazing experience and it was my childhood dream and I'm one of the lucky ones that got to go ahead and live it um, for 10 years. So um, I guess I can sit sit here proud to know that I gave it every crack that I had and, um, you know, worked my absolute butt off to try to get to where I got to. Um, and, yeah, can sort of walk away from it now satisfied having achieved what I wanted to achieve. Um, obviously, the ultimate success would be standing up there in the last weekend of September holding up a Premiership Cup and I wasn't able to do that, but at the same time, I tried everything to make sure that I could. Um, and I guess probably, if anything, sort of advice for those younger than me, just enjoy every second of it and never lose sight of 
you know, you actually are living your dream. Um, and for those that sort of haven't made it yet or are still trying to never give up, um, I think it's one of those things that if you want to get there badly enough, you'll find a way and just enjoy the whole journey and the whole ride because a lot of people can lose sight of the fact that they are living out a childhood dream and forget, you know, the main reasons as to why they're there and doing what they're doing. So, um, yeah, loved every second of it, as I've said a lot throughout this and um, wouldn't, wouldn't change it for the world. That's a great message. And how closely have you followed the AFL this year? And I'd imagine you have a bit of a soft spot for the D's and the power. Yeah, no, I've, I've followed it pretty closely. Um, still got a lot of great mates playing at various clubs throughout the AFL. Um, you know, one of my best mates is actually Maxi Gorn. So to see him as captain now and playing the footy that he's playing, um, certainly have a massive soft spot for the D's. And I really do hope they can sort of get back to where they were in 2018 because I've got a lot of good mates there. And saying that also Port, um, wasn't there for anywhere near as long, but still follow all those boys very closely and keep in close contact. So a um, bit of a unique and different season, this one, um, with everything that's going on. A few challenges and obstacles have presented themselves, but um, no, we'll always be a massive follower of the AFL and, and, and I, yeah, I really do love it. And it, what it's what I get excited for every weekend to watch some of my mates run around and, watch some of, you know, my old clubs that I represented one day. Well, Jack, that's all we've got for you. Um, it's a very inspiring story and it's been great to hear it. So thank you very much for your time and all the best with the future. No, thanks so much for that, boys. And congratulations on you boys doing what you're doing. Um, you know, making a podcast and speaking to some of the best athletes going around. Not me, of course. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it's it's incredibly achievement and I love what you're doing. So keep it up and um, all the best for the future. Thank you very Appreciate much it. for the support. That wraps us up for another episode of the Chewy on Your Boot podcast and very appreciative of Jack for his time. So thank you very much to him and also a special shout-out to Jess Trengo for helping us set this one up. We hope you enjoy this one as much as we did and stay tuned.